You're listening to Different Things Can Be Sad. Welcome to Different Things Can Be Sad, where it's cool to care about annual budgets and the Avengers. I'm Yasmin Lomax. And I'm Micah Hahn. And we are your friendly hosts of this very special episode of Different Things Can Be Sad. Mm-hmm. We have decided to come to you outside of our regular monthly programming to bring you a little wrap-up of 2018. Isn't that right, Micah? It is right. Everyone does it, so we thought we'd do it too. Everyone is really about those listicles at the end of the year. So mm-hmm. so we're jumping on board and we're going to give you a very brief episode that wraps up our highlights in reading, watching, and listening, which we like to give you at the beginning of each episode. And then we're also going to talk about some of the political and pop culture moments that have stood out to us. Mm-hmm. So without further, further ado, Micah, would you like to give us your best moments of reading in 2018? Sure. Um, So it's funny because we've been doing this podcast. So now I actually have an understanding of what I've been reading, what I like the most because I've been checking it. It's a way to document it. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny too because all of the books I chose were like, I read very specific moments. So so my first book is a cop out because it's actually a series. It's the Neapolitan novels by Elena Ferrante. Um, which is really wonderful and amazing. And I actually listened to the whole thing on audiobook. Um, and I listened to the whole thing while I was in Boston, Ooh. which is part of the why, the, the reason why I chose um. this. Because um, it kind of marked my time there. Uh, really good. There's an HBO. Which was very significant to us. Yes. And this podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it, there's an HBO series coming out. Um, it's Italian. Apparently it's really, really good, and I'm excited to watch that in the new year. Um, my second one is something that will not surprise anyone. I chose an Anne Patchett novel. <laughs> Number I read one a lot Anne of Anne Patchett. Patchett. Um, and I chose Commonwealth because it's the first one I read, and it's really, really good. And I feel like it's her most recent one, and it definitely you can see her growth as a writer through it. Um, And then I also chose Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Young um, because it was really, really good. And you can listen to the November episode and I chat about it a lot. I think you can listen back to all of our episodes and get reviews on these ones. So um, yeah, that will be a definite recommend. Um, I also have four books I chose that came out in 2018 that um, I really loved um, and read this year. It's not often that I read things the year they come out. So I tried to choose four that did come out this year and I read them this year. Um, And I have talked about these in previous episodes, so you'll be able to hear a little bit more about that. But the first one was um, I Was Born for This by Alice Oseman, which I read over the summer. Um, That was fantastic. I also read I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara, which I remember reading when I went away to Tasmania for a few days and got absolutely sucked in. Um, I also read or listened to rather um, an absolutely remarkable thing by Hank Green, which Micah had recommended to me. And Mm -hmm. I remember listening to that on the plane traveling from Australia to Ireland for the last time. And then I also chose after the lights go out by lily wilkinson which i attended the launch of in melbourne so like micah they all have quite significant amount of significance to me um Mm -hmm. but all really great as you can see there's a mix of like ya and then non-fiction i think that kind of sums up what i've been reading this year and 
I am definitely up for your 2019 recommendations in those genres. So how about watching? What did you watch this year, Micah, that you wish everyone did or had or mm-hmm. will? I um, actually chose things that came out this year. Yay! Um, so I don't read current books, but I do watch current things, kind of. Um, mm. My first recommendation is definitely The Front Runner. Um, I don't think that many people have seen it. It's political. It's journalism. It's the best. That's Micah's um, niche. <laughs> it is. Um, also on my list is To All the Boys I Loved Before because boy did that change my life for like a whole two weeks it was all like uh, that was a beautiful time for everyone i felt the internet was just joining together in its love of that pure and wonderful movie thank you netflix thank you netflix um i also have the incredibles 2 on my list only because it was a wonderful hmm. like dive back into the past of when incredibles came out and everything was happy um also it's a good movie i watched it twice in like a week um i would have two shows that everyone has been watching um the first is marvelous mrs Maisel, which i think it might have come out last year but then season two is coming has just come out which i will be watching very very soon um i watched it at the beginning of this year it's so good um 50s house jewish housewife who's a comedian in new york it's wonderful Um, the other one is the good place which i guess didn't start this year either, but like really became popular this year, mm. and episodes were released. Um, and that totally it, counts. That counts. Yes, it's just wonderful. There's a lot of philosophy in it. It's about. It's really hard to say what it's about. It's about a woman who dies and goes to the good place, and then I think we talked about this like in depth in an episode. Yeah, because I think I thought it was um, something else. I thought it was the good wife. No, it was a good place. A good place. Um, it's a comedy. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, a good wife, not a comedy. Um, yes, it's wonderful. Everyone should go, and it you can you could watch it in a couple of days if you really wanted to. If you had the that'll day. be my next one. I think it's been taunting me on Netflix. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I definitely agree with Micah on to all the boys I've loved before. That was definitely one of my favorite movies I watched this year. In terms of other movies, I also have um, Set It Up, which was on Netflix, and I definitely spoke about because I told everyone about that. I just, I'm a sucker for rom-coms, and that did it well. Um, Crazy Rich Asians and Black Panther were some of the movies that I, I saw in theaters this year and absolutely adored. Um, then in terms of TV shows, the last season of New Girl came out this year, which was incredible, and the end of an era for me. Um, if you could see my hair right now, it's clear that I'm not over that era. Um, <laughs> I'm very, very much trying to be Zoe Deschanel. Uh, but it's Christmas, and she uh, Christmas is a she and him time, so that's mm-hmm. fair enough. Um, also, in terms of TV shows, um, Queer Eye, which is very hard to believe that came out in 2018. I've seen a lot of tweets of people being like, hey, have I not been thirsty for Anthony's Instagram for like at least 20 months now? And I agree with that. I just feel like we've had Queer Eye for a long, long yeah. time. But no, we went into January not knowing about those five angels who have changed all of our lives. Isn't it? Isn't it? It just shows you how much of a difference people could make. I mean, I didn't know Micah at the beginning of this year, but I also didn't know Karamo, and I think they've both had a <laughs> in my life. Um, surprising one, Love Island UK. I loved that. That was a very um, 
unifying experience in Ireland and the UK this summer. The weather was fantastic and everyone was obsessed with the World Cup and Love Island. So mm-hmm. that has fond memories for me. Um, and then my last two are ones that I've watched very, very recently. So that will be The Bowl Type, which I talked about in our December episode. And then one that I'll probably talk about in the new year a little bit more is La Casa de la Flores, a Spanish language Netflix show that literally everyone is bored of hearing from about from me about that's not phrased very well it's because my spanish is so good i'm losing my english grammar skills yeah yeah um basically it's fantastic and i will not shut up until i've converted everyone to it so (laughs) la casa de la flores um but what have you been listening to micah what what tunage or Mm, likes would you recommend uh three albums Mm-hmm. Only because I listen to albums. I'm a weird person who doesn't listen to singles. I like um, that. I like that. Yeah. Uh, so one that I've absolutely been loving and I talked about in the podcast that has um, that we just released as Oxnard by Anderson Pack. Can't say enough about it. It's kind of beautiful. Um, and. Then I chose Voice Notes by Charlie Puth, which I will defend until my last day. So- yeah, I, Micah, you totally converted me to that. Like, after we recorded the podcast and you told me all about that, I listened and I was like, oh my God, I love this. That um, LA Girls one that you yeah. love, um, fantastic. I just, yeah, that that's really good. Yep, yeah, it's so, so good. And then- No, the only bit in that, sorry, that I don't get is when he's like, like, he's looking back on, I mean- he's he's reminiscing and there's a lot of nostalgia but he's really like i think he's got some rose tinted glasses on when he's like oh my gosh remember the greyhounds in nyc like Like, i'm sorry even if that was the best time of your life you still cannot positively look back on an experience on a greyhound in new york city like yeah no we've done that enough times between us in literally the best time of my life and I still would not be like, you know what? If I did have to go back to a time, it would be a Greyhound in New York City. No. So you're wrong about that, Charlie, but right about everything else. Yeah. Um, what was my next one? Right. So Lost Friends by Middle Kids, which I talked about in like our second episode. Uh, Australian band. Really, really good. I'm really hoping to see them live in the new year. I keep on missing them. I leave a destination just as they're starting to play. Oh, that's me and Arctic Monkeys. We we have been having that all this year, and it's very upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um, I also decided I should tell you about my favorite concert of the year. I've been to a few this year. Not as many as Yasmin. She's a concert fiend. Oh, I used to be the biggest concert fiend when I was like 15, 16, and then my mm-hmm. concert-going friend moved away, and I got boring for a couple of years, and I didn't go. And then this year, I've been like massively going, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, don't don't feel bad, Kens, if you're not on my level. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't always been this cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my favorite concert of the year is when I went to with the husband in Boston, and it Yay! was Lord. Lord is amazing live. Everyone should go yeah. see him live. Um, she just brings all of her like weirdness and energy and awesome amazingness to the stage, and it's beautiful and very theatric and wonderful and we cried a little we laughed she cried come on everyone we all cried cried. yeah Um, it was that was life-changing like literally life was it was Mm. amazing so that is my concert recommendation for you go 
back into the past and go see the melodrama tour by Lord. Yeah, or, or her next one. Yeah, yeah. Whichever's easier. Um, yeah, whichever is. I don't know. Maybe time travel will be a thing in twenty nineteen. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I'll start off with my favorite concerts then. Um, definitely Lord is up there. My absolute favorite was when I saw the Killers at the RDS Arena in Dublin. That was just – I think that could be my favorite concert ever, and I it almost pains me to say that because, like, my first Blur concert has such a special place in my heart because, like, Blur are, like, my literal life. But mm-hmm. holy heck, that Killers one was, like, literally life-changing. Like, that was a phenomenal performance. I mean, Brandon Flowers is, like, I would say the best frontman out there. He is fantastic. So that one was great, um, and I'll give a little shout-out to – Blossoms and Interpol, who I've talked about very recently, which were fantastic. But I also saw Rod Stewart at the New Orleans Jazz Fest. And <laughs> that was freaking fantastic. He's actually coming to Ireland in 2019. And I'm like, Mom, I think we should go. Like, <laughs> he's really good. Like, he's a performer as well. He's a great frontman. He knows how to put on a show. Um, but for my, my song or music recommendations, I have put together a little 20... 18 playlist um it's on the spotify so i will we'll link to it mm-hmm. um but i'll just read out some some highlights of um what i think you should should go from uh, i would say that this playlist is very um any like indie boy who had a guitar in the year 2006 what are they up to now <laughs> they're, they're they're on this playlist that's what they're up to um and then some kind of random poppy ones um, and I've tried to do this as chronologically as possible for the year. So my recommendations would be Mr. Tillman by Father John Misty, Be Careful by Cardi B, Your Love is My Favorite Band by The Vaccines, Loaded by Miles Kane, Four Out of Five by Arctic Monkeys, and Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino could be my number one album of the year. I've had a huge change of heart in recent months, mm-hmm. and now I think it is absolute genius. Uh, New Light by John Mayer, Bloom by Troy Sivan, The Rover by Interpol. Again, Marauder is a strong contender for album of the year. Eyes Like Pearls by The Carl. I Dreamt We Spoke Again by Death Cab for Cutie, who are coming to Dublin in January. I don't have tickets. I'm going to try to get some. Um Give a Little by Maggie Rogers. Um, it was Micah who got me onto Maggie Rogers, mm-hmm. so thank you for that. How Long Will This Last by Blossoms. Uh, very hard to pick one of their songs to put on this list because I could have done their entire Cool Like You album. It's just track by and track of just bangers. They're just like just synth pop bangers. So get on that. Um, Illusions by Sundara Karma. Thank You Next by Ariana Grande. Day and a very recent release, Nothing Breaks Like a Heart by Miley Cyrus and Mark Ronson, a combination that is very close to my heart because I've been obsessed with both of them for so, so long. So mm. amazing. Well, with that kind of a wrap up over, should we move on to your top political moments of the year or three political moments that stood out to you? Yes. Um, so I feel like this year, the last couple of years, people have been a bit more like woke is definitely the wrong word um but like, I like woke I know. like woke yeah like but woke is about social justice okay true. and this is yeah. more like people are much more engaged with politics than they yeah, have yeah that's been. definitely true um it's the trump effect mostly but so in some ways everyone's like this year's too crazy to quantify and it has been rather quite crazy to quantify but mostly it's just been very american um 
So yeah, it, I think we brainstormed some ideas for yeah. this and like the ones that were coming most easily to us were, you know, things like the midterms that yeah. just dominated the world, even though most of us can't vote in them. Yeah, oddly enough. Um, and so I was trying to pick three political moments that I think one kind of sum up what this year was um, and to uh, like, I think will actually have an impact into the future um, and we're kind of historical moments in a way. Um, we will see. I am no historian, um, but these seem to be like the really big ones. They're all oddly, I mean, everything is, but they're all very intermixed with the American political situation. So you'll get your America fix in there a little bit. Um, so my first moment, which happened closer to the beginning of the year, was, um, oh my god, I'm going to use a French word, the rapprochement of North and South Korea, as we like to say. Um, so North and South Korea have been technically at war since 1953. Um, they're not at war, but the war never ended. Um, so when the Korean War ended, ended-ish, um, they just signed a treaty. They didn't actually end the war. Um, so, and there's been a lot of tensions there, as people know. And North Korea has been an uh, abuser of human rights, but also a collector of nuclear weapons as they try. Um, and beginning of this year, also at the end of last year, the Trump administration is really trying to get the North Koreans to denuclearize. Um, the Americans are very, very close to the South Koreans. They have a huge amount of military power on their half of of Korea. Um, so that was interesting. But they're actually talking to each other now. I think one of... Yay! I know, it's great. People have made lists of like the most important, famous pictures of the year. And one on every single person's list is the picture of yeah. the two leaders shaking hands across the border. Um and what's interesting about this is while this started as kind of like the Donald Trump show, they've kind of like, the Americans aren't a part of it anymore because they like, mm -hmm. they got them to the table potentially. And then they like were too crazy and got kicked off of the table. Oh, um, no. So I think not only is that kind of a historic moment, um, it's it could be the avoidance of a nuclear war from that part of the world. Um, but also it'll be, have hopefully large effects into 2019 as we see the deal actually be struck and written. Oh, and hopefully the, uh, bringing of human rights to North Korea. We'll see. Um, my second, uh, political moment, which is slightly a cop out cause times chose it for me. Um, <laughs> are the P times chose the person of the year to be the people of the year and they chose journalists, which good because journalists have had a rough year. Um, Completely. And I like, if I can just interject for a moment, I know there's a lot of bad journalists about, but it's become so common this year for everyone just to be like, Oh, well it's the media's fault and you shouldn't listen to the media. And I think it's so unfair to mm -hmm. brand everyone with one stick and that like now kind of like journalists are being viewed as like dodgy car salesmen or something yeah. like it's it's a really and that's just like you know in countries where they don't face any like you know Physical actual threat. life yeah, yeah life-threatening repercussions there's mm -hmm. just kind of like like 
undercurrent that like, oh yeah, all journalists are dodgy and underhanded without anyone really giving that real consideration. I don't think that's an attitude that we want to have at all. That is super dangerous. And, mm-hmm. and I think that I'm sure Michael will talk about, yeah. it is really, really, really bad. So yeah. mm. I think there are reasons to criticize the media, but oh, I think of course, yeah. all of those reasons can be reflected back onto us, onto what we want to consume. Cause they're just, they, at the end of the day, someone needs to make money and sometimes and they make money through advertising and we supply the eyeballs that watch the advertising. And sometimes we want to see outrage and the journalists are supplying us with that. And so when you criticize journalism, you have to kind of think about why you are consuming it, Hmm. Um, which is important. So journalists not only have to deal with the fact that people hate them um, and are kind of the, the witch of the Trump administration. Um, but also, I hope everyone remembers, it was not that long ago, but it feels like forever ago, um, the Jamal Khashoggi, who is an American permanent resident and a Saudi Arabian citizen, um, was murdered by his own government this year for being a journalist. Um, this is a proven fact. The CIA backs this up. We will link it down below. Uh, seems to still be contested, even though the Saudis... The Saudis have admitted that Asadi has killed them, but not that the prince um, has like said to kill him, but everyone else has proven that. So there you go. Uh, it, in some ways it was really interesting because it's not new. Like no. journalists are, there's really amazing organizations that work internationally to protect journalists and um it's not uncommon for governments to kill their people who are criticizing them this was kind of mind-boggling one because it happened in a foreign nation in the saudi embassy but in the country of turkey um two because uh saudi arabia and turkey are not not happy with each other and um, it was kind of a bold move to do it in Turkey. And three, it was the most astounding because Donald Trump supported the Saudis. And when asked why he supported the Saudis, he said it was because of the financial gains they bring to America. And he doesn't really care if they murdered Jamal Khashoggi, which is a sorry state for journalism. Um, but on the other hand, I think it's brought to light um, like the dangers that journalists face and hopefully makes people a bit more aware. Um, And I think like all of these organizations that protect them have been really gained a huge amount of support in the last couple of months. So that is good. Um, Hopefully we don't forget about him in 2019 because he's a really good symbol of what journalists face. Um, I think that's, that's so true. And like, I mean, I think what you can do on a personal level and I'm saying this like obviously as someone who's like, journalism and is a journalist. I'm like, you'd be nice to us. But just like educate yourself about what journalists are doing and what the job entails before. I, I just think it's really dangerous to have this pervasive attitude that journalists are inherently bad. Um, my last politics moment is one that is not just um, confined to this year, but has come to light a little bit this year in the like broader mind and consciousness is the war in Yemen. Um, The war in Yemen is not new by any means. Um, In 20, 
2016, the UN declared a state of emergency because the famine was so bad in Yemen. It was the worst famine in human history. Um, so it's been happening for a while. Um, Yemen is very complicated. Uh, there are rebels um, in the south who are supported by Iran. I think I have got this right. It's very complicated. And they are being fought by Saudi-backed government. Um, I will pop in here if I got this wrong. Editing Micah, let me know. Uh, <laughs> and so it's kind of a proxy war between the two most powerful nations in the Middle East. Um, and the people who are stuck in the middle are the people dying right now. Um, and unfortunately, for the majority of the year, the West has been very, very silent about it. Mm. Um, Canada has been providing arms to the Saudis, um, which they have most definitely been using in that war or against their citizens. Um, the Americans back them financially uh, in their quest to hate Iran. Um, and no one's really cared until, really just this last point, um, Jamal Khashoggi was killed and it all of a sudden became okay to critique the Saudis. Um, and now people are paying much closer attention to it, um, which is good. It's wonderful, but it hasn't exactly been like a non thing in the last three years. Um, so hopefully, I don't think this has been like the biggest moment in politics in 2018, but I hope it is the biggest moment in politics in 2019. Like it, this war needs to end. Um, and I think there's a bit more international like desire to end it mm -hmm. um, now, just because of political circumstances. And hopefully that brings it to a close and people get aid. We will link all the donation links we can um, into the description for like Red Cross and stuff like that and Doctors yeah. Without Borders. So my pop culture moments are next, um, which are on a completely different tone to Micah's political moments. Um, it's different things can be said after all. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, but my top, I'm not going to say top, my some pop culture moments that stood out for me. The first one I'm going to talk about is I've called it Kardashian baby gate, but I don't think baby gate is an appropriate word. I don't think it's like, like yeah. know, Watergate or anything. Baby mania, we'll say. Um, I chose this because obviously the Kardashians have been the dominant pop culture family or figures in general in our lives of the past decade or so. Um, and this year was a big one for them. We, at the beginning of the year, we had Kim... Um, and Kanye's third child, Chicago, who was brought into the world. Um, and Kim and Kanye used a surrogate for this pregnancy, which was kind of a big thing. Um, mm -hmm. For Kim, this was a kind of life or death situation. Um, as has been reported in the media, um, she had suffered from placenta Accreta, accreta. I don't know how to pronounce that. I don't really know any medical words, especially ones associated with babies. But um, yeah, basically, Kim told Elle magazine, after giving birth, your placenta is supposed to come out, but mine was stuck. That's what women usually die from in childbirth. You hemorrhage and bleed to death and they can't stop it. Um, 
that is what had happened. They were referring, so they just, they chose to use a surrogate, um, though she did say it was completely her and Kanye's DNA. So technically that's called a gestational character. Um, but yeah, and I think that was kind of significant because it was almost like a way for us to look at this idea of like motherhood and pregnancy and how the like former mm-hmm. can be affected if you can't achieve the latter. You know, Kim spoke quite publicly about worrying that she wasn't going to have the same connection with Chicago as her other children because she hadn't physically given birth to her. But mm-hmm. um, and I thought I thought that was a really like interesting discussion to bring up and probably one that. Um, a lot of people would benefit from. I mean, obviously they have ridiculous privilege and that kind of thing, but you know, I know people who've adopted children or have used surrogates or, you know, that, that kind of thing. And I think that's probably an interesting conversation to have. Um, the second Kardashian baby episode was Kylie's secret pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> Literally gripped the world. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really know where this came from, but late last year, everyone kind of got it in their head. that 20 year old Kylie Jenner, the youngest of the family was pregnant. And even for naysayers, things started to pile up. So there was a lot of concealing clothes. There was a lack of photos on social media that showed her belly. There was a lack of public appearances. She appeared to like stop getting lip fillers, which is apparently something you can't do while you're pregnant. I didn't know this. One of my friends got super into it and was like in a group chat being like, she's definitely pregnant because she's not getting lip fillers. Um, there was a Calvin Klein ad that even appeared in Times Square where the sisters all posed in their underwear and Kylie had a blanket over her. Um, Kim appeared on the late, late show with James Corden last November and during a game of spill your guts or fill your guts, she chose to drink fish juice smoothie rather than confirm Kylie and Chloe, who we'll get onto in a moment's pregnancies. And then on bloody super bowl sunday because only the kardashians would compete with the super bowl mm-hmm. um kylie announced that she'd given birth to a little girl called stormy and released an 11 minute video called to our daughter that chronicled the whole thing um i guess that's interesting because it shows the extreme measures that she went to to avoid public scrutiny and judgment at this time mm-hmm. um because as i'll talk about in a moment society do seem to have this like reverence and protection of pregnant women when it seems convenient. But I think Kylie was totally right in this stage, in this case that she would have been absolutely hounded by the press for this. And yeah. yeah, And that's not healthy. So that's a really interesting conversation. I think we've spoken before about how we used to have the paparazzi hounding celebrity kids like, you know, Shiloh, um, mm-hmm. Jolie Pitt, and Suri Cruz. And we don't see that happening so much nowadays. And, you know, one reason is maybe that could be because celebrities are putting this on social media for free and willingly. But another could be, you know, morals has shifted a little bit. And I think it'd be interesting to, like, shift out of that gotcha culture um, of someone being pregnant. Um, and then my last Kardashian baby moment. So I guess I've chosen, like, essentially – like five pop culture things because three of them (laughs) I've expanded this into three Mm -hmm. the last one was that Chloe had a little baby girl called True Thompson and this was interesting because Chloe is a lot of people's favorite Kardashian because you know she seems to just say things how they are and is very aware of how ridiculous privileged their lives are and is very funny about it and people also kind of like root for her in this almost maternal way because there was a lot of emotional trauma involved in her marriage to Lamar Odom and 
you know, people like were, mm-hmm. I think they really like could see that she was genuinely affected by that and how upsetting that situation was. Um, so everyone seemed really happy that she found a lovely guy in basketballer Tristan Thompson and that they were having a baby together. And then everyone was really upset when footage emerged of him hooking up with other girls days before Chloe was due to give birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and her family were really upset by it, especially Kim. And there was a whole drama of her and um, Tristan unfollowing each other on social media and her speaking out about him in interviews. Um, and people were leaving hilarious but nasty comments on his Instagram. He got booed by his own fans when he walked out during a game. Um, yeah, which is saying something because I don't think the Venn diagram of people who watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians and people who go to basketball games is like an enormous cross section. But yeah. like, even they were very pissed off about it. Um, they've patched it up now, but I think it really showed about you know the public's morals, um, like or almost like a respect for the family unit. Like I think cheating on a pregnant woman is just something you do not do and that people are really not okay with. And we've seen that with Kevin Hart this year as well. It is a big no-no. So a lot of Kardashian drama and a lot of Kardashian good news this year. So Mm -hmm. I I can't see them going anywhere. Um, I would say that Kanye West's involvement in the Kardashian family is one that's going to shape it in 2019. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, my second thing I wanted to talk about was the racial diversity on screen in 2018. Um, and we saw that although there's a long way to go, we saw a lot of positive things. And we had three enormous, instantly beloved films do very, very well this year. So the first one was Black Panther, um, which was actually the most Googled movie of the year. And that was Marvel's first black superhero movie. And in my opinion, one of their best ever, because I think it transcended the superhero genre. Like it's just a fantastic movie, even if you're not into superhero movies. Mm-hmm. Um, this was really great for diversity and inclusion and representation because it showed Africa in a positive light. It was incredibly well-researched and sensitive in terms of like the um, costumes and the language used. There mm-hmm. was, you know, badass women on screen and there was a lot of opportunities given to um black creatives so we'll link to um some a really interesting articles and videos about the costumes that were used and how the costume designer came up with that and the language that was used in the movie as well um we had michael b jordan one of the stars of the movie and again someone i think we're all going to be watching in 2019 say Um, I think representation is extremely important. I keep looking back at my 10-year-old self and what I didn't have to look at in films and television and what I didn't really see. Pretending to be characters that look nothing like me, honestly, for the next generation, um, being able to see themselves in positions of power, royalty, strength, powerful women, strong characters, smart, intelligent, I think that's really important. So he's totally bang on about that. Um, We also had To All the Boys I've Loved Before, which we just talked about. which was a Netflix teen rom-com adapted from the book of the same name by Jenny Han. And that showed a Korean American teenager get the love story that white teenagers do all the time. And you can listen back on one of our previous episodes where we talk about this in detail. Multiple I think we talk about it. Yeah. Multiple ones. I watched it first and then Michael was like, ah, I watched it as well. And we just, we loved it. We loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, Crazy Rich Asians 
again saw non-white characters getting the stories that white characters have always had but we also had you know them being lavishly wealthy and like having that position of power was fantastic there was also like the funny and fearless addressing of stereotypes and it really overcame a lot of setbacks um in an article that we linked to um in time it's been alleged that an early prospective producer suggested casting a white woman as the lead and oh um, my god yeah yeah um the filmmakers also turned down a lucrative deal with netflix because they wanted this to be seen on the big screen um which was great and i think Constance Wu, Aquafina, and Gemma Chan, who are all in Crazy Rich Asians, are definitely actresses we'll be watching in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, on the vein of racial diversity on screen, we had the um, the public condemnation of Roseanne and the cancellation of that show, which was the most Google TV show of 2018. So I cool. think that says something. Um, not that everyone was like, yay, Roseanne, but I'm sure people <laughs> were Googling it to educate themselves on the really terrible racist things that the star of that show was saying. Um, We also had um, everyone really not get behind the condescending most popular movie category at the Oscars. Um, And I hope that this is um, this, you know, representation um, in Hollywood is something we will see in the future and an indication that things might be changing and we're going to get a little bit more diversity in the pop culture things we consume. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, we have Ariana Grande. I think she's one of the absolute stars of 2018. Um, so there's a few things that happened. We had the engagement to Pete Davidson and we spoke mm-hmm. about this a lot in depth, but I think this was significant because it showed you know, the ability for young people to love big and also how horrible it is when everyone jumps on them of with ideas of like what's the sensible and right thing to do um, because there wasn't any evidence at the time that it wasn't the wrong thing to do to get speedily engaged to someone. And I still wouldn't call it a wrong decision, you know, like let people live their lives. They've probably learned a lot from this. Um, the relationship also had a huge toll on Pete Davidson who yeah. has been to being relentlessly bullied during and after this relationship um, has suffered a lot from it, um, especially very recently, and has been very vocal about calling out uh, people who have judgments about those with mental illnesses being in relationships and about cyberbullying. So I think there's a lot of public discussion that's come out of this. Um, we also had the death of Mac Miller, who mm-hmm. Ariana had formerly been in a relationship with. Um, and that would have, I'm sure, really, really affected her. And there was also a lot of disgusting trolls blaming her for this death. But she handled it in a, a very um, compassion and like a compassionate and mature way. And mm-hmm. I think everyone was just like super impressed by the way someone who is only 25 managed to deal with this in the public eye. Um, It's the same compassion, empathy, and maturity she showed in the wake of the Manchester bombings when her 2017 concert in the city was attacked by terrorists leading to deaths and injuries of her young, amongst her young fan base. Um, And she'll has just announced that she'll be holding a special concert event in Manchester on her next tour. Um, Mm -hmm. We also had her releasing huge songs because she does have an incredible voice. She's seriously talented. She had some of the biggest tracks of the year, like the cathartic No Tears Left to Cry and self-love anthem Thank You Next, which also came with a phenomenal music video that paid homage to the 
lots and lots of early 2000s chick flicks. Nostalgia has been huge. Yeah. And that was very much supported by stars of the movie like Reese Witherspoon. And we got the one taught me love, one taught me patience, one taught me pain meme out of it, which I think has affected all of our lives in a very real way. And mm-hmm. I'm very thankful for it. Um, she was really great on Twitter. She's been just really funny. And John Green has called her the per- the best person on the platform. <laughs> um, and she was really swift and efficient in slamming Piers Morgan when he made some derogatory comments about girl band Little Mix for choosing to pose naked in a message about body image, which was discussed in one of their recent songs. Um, she's also been sort of, we talked about the word woke, but she has been and about maybe enlightening her fan base a little bit as well and seeing that next generation come through as woke. So she had songs like God is a woman. She was reading a book called immigration and refugee law and policy in the thank you next video Mm -hmm. um, at a time when the caravan was approaching the U S border and she was named billboards person of the year. So I think Ariana Grande is significant because um, she definitely has shown that even for beautiful rich and famous people life is all about ups and downs you know she Mm -hmm. called this her best professional year but the worst year in her personal life um and i think she's just handled everything so so well and i think she's going to go into 2019 as the biggest star on the planet i think i think she honestly is like and that's not something i would have said at the beginning of this year so super interested to see what she does in 2019 Alrighty, well, thank you for listening to this very special episode of Different Things Can Be Said. Mm-hmm. Um, and for listening this whole year. Yeah. We really appreciated it. And we're super excited um, to catch up with y'all in 2019. You can catch us on Instagram at, at DTCBS Podcast. Micah, where are you online? Um, at Miss Clearwater on Instagram. And Twitter? Or are we not really on Twitter? Maybe you should delete for 2019. Either delete or bring it back in 2019. You got to commit, girl. Mm -hmm. It's just sitting there. It's just sitting there. So is the at DTCBS Twitter, but we're going to make a decision about that for 2019. Um, I am at Yasmin Lomax on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I use both of those, and I'm going to keep doing that in 2019. But you can find us all online. We'll be back with new episodes in 2019. We have some ideas about expanding the pod and making it even better. And we hope you will join us in that. So Mm -hmm. we'll hear you, see you, you will listen to us very soon. Yeah. Happy new year. Happy new year. Bye. Bye.